0: Hey, guys, I'm Eric McLean.
1: And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast brought to you by Dukes Mayo. We continue with our ACC under-review Series Eric McLean. It's episode six. We are talking about the Who's the Virginia Cavaliers. But guys, make sure you rate, review, follow on Apple Podcasts, go listen to the other ACC under review episodes. We would really appreciate that. And I'm going to bring Mac in. He is currently trying to buy some shoes and. <laughs> uh, getting a pending, and I know he's stressed.
0: Mac, how are you? I I am doing well. Uh, A little stressed. Listen, these new golf um, Jordan 1s, low top, just came out. They're super cool. Uh, There's three different colorways. There was supposed to be four. There was like the Chicago colorway, which is red and black, for those that don't know. Uh, But they like removed them from the thing. So I don't know if there's like a secret posting of those later. Um, So I bid on two. One confirmed. Uh, which was kind of like my secondary. If Khaki's listening to this, babe, they're, they're my first. I love them. Um, <laughs> but if I get the other ones that were kind of my first love, then I'll be feeling really good. So we'll see that we're in a little bit of a high stress situation right now. And it's not even the sneakers app. That's the worst thing. This is just like basic Nike.com. And just to give you guys some more insight, I'm looking at the page and it just says pending dot, 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 Ooh. pending dot, dot, dot. So this is I mean it's terrifying to be honest but maybe we'll, by the end
1: of this episode we'll know.
0: I will give you guys live updates as this happens. <laughs> if I have to inter, if I have to interrupt our interviewee, I'll do it. And uh you know that'll just be the way it is. But we're excited guys. This this little mini series has been really fun. Uh ACC under review has gotten a lot of traction. Really appreciate you guys listening and the the great guests that we've had, you know, kind of providing this insight that quite frankly, you and I just don't have, you know, we're we're not boots on the ground with these teams each and every week. We kind of do a 10,000 foot view and it's been really fun to to break this down. So we're going to continue, uh, for the coming weeks, we're going to break down each and every team. Uh, we're, we're we're six in, this is the sixth one. So right at about halfway. Um, but next week, very excited guys. We're going to put a little break in the mini series because KG and I are going to the senior bowl and our guy, Richmond Weaver will be down there. Our producer as well, It's going to be a lot of fun. This is our first kind of travel gig as a team, as as a business. So we're uh, we're breaking uncharted territory here. Really excited. So much content. We're going to give you guys six straight days of podcast, social media stuff. We're going to do some live implementation as well. So really can't wait, KG. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: It's our first squad road trip even though I think we're all flying. We're heading down to... (laughs) Not by choice,
0: by the way. Not by choice. We kind of got thrown a curveball there.
1: There's these other jobs that we have, but I'm going to eat at some fish camps. It's going to be amazing. We've heard about (laughs) the many fish camps we we need to check out. But really, if you're a fan of any of these ACC teams, and I know a lot of college football fans, one of the ways that I watch the NFL is I see where the guys from my team end up, and then I root for those teams. So I think that's how a lot of Uh, listeners root in the NFL, but also the NFL is the most popular sport in the country. So if you have an NFL team and you want to see, okay, could my NFL team get Jermaine Johnson or get Zion Johnson or whatever, then you're looking at that too. So there's a lot of intrigue with the senior bowl and it's become a huge event, Mac.
0: It really has. The city of Mobile completely embraces it. I believe this is the 72nd Game that will be played in Mobile. It's really cool to see just how much that the community embraces it, and how that the ownership of it—that this is our game—and and we're going to celebrate it. We're going to show great fan support, and uh, just ultimately really excited about that. And you mentioned those those kind of restaurants that we're going to. I think I'm going to have to bring, you know, a jar of of uh, Duke's mayonnaise, and just you know, on standby I, if I need an extra condiment, if I need some extra juice to have with this uh, you know kind of fish product that we'll be having. That's what we're, ge- we're going to have to do because Dukes, guys, it has that twang, that little Southern something that elevates food from good to downright ridiculous. Over the past 100 years, Dukes has continued to cultivate and celebrate its commitment to family recipes and bold Southern flavors. In addition to the flagship mayonnaise, which by the way, guys, is still made According to Miss Eugenia Dukes, an American frickin' hero. Original recipe right in Greenville, South Carolina. Dukes also offers flavored mayonnaise, regionally inspired Duke Southern sauces, and Kelly Gramlick's absolute favorite, the Mustards.
1: Oh, yeah. The Mustards are here, y'all. You have to check them out. And speaking of Mac carrying around some Dukes with him, will Mac dip a Reese's, which is Reese's is a sponsor of the Senior Bowl, Will he dip a Reese's in mayo, Mike Golick Jr. style? I, you'll have to stay tuned to find out. But head to dukesmayo.com. Check out their four mustards that they have released. My official favorite is the chipotle mustard. I put that on my sandwiches all the time. And the creativity with their different types of mayo. Hint of lime, bacon, tomato, habanero, garlic, cucumber, dill, fire roasted red pepper. So many different flavors to try. So head over to dukesmayo.com. Embrace the new flavors with that same twang, Mac, it is time to get to our guest. This guy may be, he may have the biggest trophy case of any guests that we have had on, okay? This episode, we are breaking down the 2021 Virginia football season with esteemed sports writer David Teal. He covers Virginia, Virginia Tech, and the entire ACC for the Richmond Times Dispatch and Richmond.com.
0: Yeah, KG, you mentioned that that trophy case. It was just announced that David won the 2021 Virginia Sports Writer of the Year award. Uh, it was his 14th time. 14, guys. He's rivaling Alabama National Championships. What an absolute legend. Really enjoyed this conversation. David could cover the entire ACC, uh, but we got him to pinpoint on only UVA and Virginia. Let's get to the interview. (music) David Teal, my man, one of the best in ACC country. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Listen, the, the podcast is getting better right now. So <laughs> we're breaking down Virginia. And, and I think we have to start, um, not to be negative, but we have to start with this coaching situation because sure. I don't think anybody saw it. Maybe you did and, and you're very close to, to the Virginia program, but Bronco Mendenhall, after six years, uh, announced very abruptly on December 2nd. I remember we were all at the ACC championship and, and just kind of sitting around as a ACC network group and we get a text Uh, something's going down and we get to the TV and of course put up that press conference, but he he stepped down for personal reasons. Two questions here. Were you surprised by this? How surprised were you by this? And then what do you think the, the ultimate reasons were that Bronco is stepping away from college football, stepping away from Virginia?
2: Well, Eric, not to get too inside baseball with your listeners, but you said you guys were at the ACC championship game and you get a text I was on interstate 64 <laughs> driving home from Brent prize introductory presser in Virginia tech. Wow. And again, I, I hope my insurance company's not listening because I got a text and I look at my phone while I'm driving and it said team meeting 15 minutes. When that happens, you know, the antenna just goes straight up and the next thing, you know, the official news hits, there's a Zoom in five minutes, and I'm at a rest stop <laughs> doing, doing a Zoom over the phone with the now ex-football coach at, at UVA. But So I, I think your, your description is perfect, abrupt, in, in that I, I think those of us who got to know Bronco over time realized, and, and you guys do too, he's just a different cat. He looks at the world from 30,000 feet, not only only the college football world, but his life. And he believes very deeply, and he's, he's expressed this to me on several occasions, that he sees a higher calling than football in terms of, he's very devout in his Mormon faith. Each of his three sons has served a mission in the church his his father and grandfather had have, have a grand history with the church and bronco has always looked at life through that lens and as he explained all this that night on zoom it it made sense he and his wife holly are empty nesters for the first time they've been married almost 25 years and bronco's been a football coach for all that time and it's it's all encompassing. That's all, it's a 365 day a year job. And he just decided that he needed to, in his words, recalibrate.
1: Yeah. I think you, you summed it up very well there, David. And it was surprising, but if you know, and I I knew some of those basic things about Bronco, obviously you've had more in depth conversations with him about that, but do you think that Bronco's decision obviously was personal for him with yes. his faith and, and wanting to, and I know he has like a horse farm. He's got a lot of other interests. Yes. But how much of this was also about the current state of college football in your estimation?
2: Kelly, it's, it's a very insightful question because I'm, I'm in a kind of a text thread with some friends of mine who were associated with UVA, not directly with the athletic department, but their fans and alums. And during the season, I texted them and said sooner rather than later, he's out of here Mm. for precisely the reasons that you outlined there. Bronco has not been shy. He's not a fan of the direction of the sport, NIL, the transfer portal. He's just frustrated by it. He's an old school guy for better or for worse And that was one of the things that drew him to UVA in the first place. Because, you know, at at BYU, he was at a very faith-based institution with very strict values, and he moved to UVA. And and the academic piece there, he just saw it as a place where you could do it all, have elite academics and athletics. And he, he just sees major college football becoming more entertainment than, you know, kind of this holistic way to improve young people's lives. And it disturbed him. And he was, and guys, he was very conflicted about playing at all in 2020.
0: Right. I remember that. I mean, it was crazy. I remember hearing him saying, why are we playing? What are we doing? And it just doesn't make any sense. It's nuts. David, do you think he, Do you think he ever coaches college football again?
2: Man, I I wish I knew, but I'll tell you what, I agree with Carla Williams, the UVA athletic director. I hope he does because because of his values, because of how much he invests in the young men that he recruits and coaches and how he improves them, not only as, as football players, but as young men and and as citizens. And in in that regard, I hope he does return. I would, I would guys, I would really not be surprised if his and Holly's next adventure is somehow affiliated with the church.
1: Very cool. It's, it's a really fascinating situation. Of course we wish Bronco the best and let's talk about the hiring process here because as he steps down, you gotta hire someone else. And just me seeing what was going on at UVA from afar, you being much more connected, it seemed they were interested and in, in talks with Anthony Poindexter, but they couldn't get a deal. And then they moved on to Tony Elliott and there were still some holdups there before they came to a deal. Is is that the correct breakdown of what happened there?
2: Kelly, b- both Tony Elliott and Anthony Poindexter were on Virginia's radar. No, no question. And, Yes, they they engaged in discussions with Anthony Poindexter. But I believe, and in the, in the way it's been explained to me, is that the more the UVA administration vetted the two candidates, the more they came to believe that Tony Elliott was more qualified. Anthony Poindexter's UVA roots, notwithstanding. And guys, if, if you look at it from just strictly a, a credential standpoint, I don't see how you come to any other conclusion. I mean, l- look at what t- Tony Elliott has accomplished there at, at Clemson. You, you know, you guys know far
0: better than I. <laughs> we, we got a, we got a pretty good view of it. And, and that's yeah, fascinating. Yeah, that we, that, that's fascinating to hear that David, just to, to, no. Okay. Was it that Anthony turned him down? Did Virginia go the other way? And that's, yeah, that, that's what it, it seems like what what you're saying there, which is, that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. And, and so what, what I guess is before we move into the season, we really start breaking down Virginia here. What, what is your overall, I don't want to say grade. I want you to give a letter grade, but just your, your thoughts on the Elliott hire.
2: I think it's a terrific fit when, when Bronco, First step down, and all of us in the in the media do it. Let let's put out a list of potential candidates, knowing that some of these people that you list will be interested in the job. Others may have absolutely zero inclination to to get involved in the search. Tony Elliott was among the first people I thought of. And guys, you, you know him far better than I. But I had the privilege back in 2018 to meet Tony and Tamika at the NCAA champions forum up in suburban Washington, which was a seminar for aspiring minority assistant coaches that was coordinated by a former executive associate AD at UVA named John Oliver. And John invited me to come sit in on these mock interviews and these sessions that the coaches did with ADs and assistant ADs, and just folks in the industry. And Tony was among the coaches I got to watch in this process. And he was so impressive. And then to stand outside in the hallway with him and his wife afterward and to talk about his incredible personal story, which just you know, touches your heart. It, you, you just can't help but be affected in hearing him talk about being homeless essentially as a child and then losing his mom and witness losing his mom at such a young age in the automobile accident on the way to church on a Sunday morning. And it's unimaginable to, to all of us who have been blessed with, with our parents and to, to think that he has since Become this, you know, remarkable coach, and uh, you know, kind of figured out life is is really inspiring.
0: I think it was an absolute grand slam. You mentioned fit. I think it's it's a perfect fit. I think for who he is as a man, for who he has, is as an academic, I think who he is as a football coach, player, etc. Um, this is the right fit. It, it, it's funny enough, guys. When when Oklahoma came available, I said, well. Benables is gone. But it's gone. When, right? when Virginia became available, I was like, oh, my goodness. Clemson is about to lose both coordinators in the same year. And, and I just – that's what I thought from the jump, and then ultimately it happened. So I'm excited, very excited for Tony, for Coach Elliott, for what he's going to do at Virginia. I, I think it's going to be – it's going to be special. But let, let's jump into this past season because UVA, UVA got some other great news in the fact that their quarterback, <laughs> one of the best in the country, is coming back. Did you expect to see as dynamic as a year as we did from him? I saw flashes of what this offense could look like. I don't know if I thought he'd be potentially leading the country in passing yards if he was healthy the whole year.
2: I certainly did not. I thought, like you, Eric, that Brennan Armstrong was going to have an exceptional season. But to average, what, 404 yards passing, do you know what the ACC record was for average yards passing? Uh,
0: not that I think it was Deshaun Watson. What what was the number? No, the, the, aver- the
2: right. average re- the average the record was Anthony Dillway in 1988. <laughs> Get this 347 yards. Wow!
0: Yard. So he just Gosh. blew it out of the water. He just
2: yes, went. he he crushed it by like 60 yards. Wow! And wow! And And he broke Lamar Jackson's total offense record for 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 a season to to say you saw that coming you you'd, you'd be, be a
0: liar. You'd be a liar. Yes. you'd be a liar that That's what you'd be okay. so what's what's the next step for him? Because, you know, I, I think that I'm not in this boat. Some people thought he was leaving i th- I think there's some very fundamental things that he can work on to put himself in a much better situation for the NFL draft. but I mean, I mean, what's the next step? Are there things that You know, you you have covered being on the ground there in the both Virginia schools that, man, if if he gets better at X, you know, Virginia can go to another place. He can go to another place. Is there anything on the top of mind there for you?
2: Perhaps ball security, Eric. I I think the the interceptions still haunt him at at the worst time. And it is such a fine line. The quarterbacks walk. Because you want to be daring and you want to be bold and you want to try to thread that needle because that's part of what makes you great. But sometimes you overstep your boundaries and it costs you at, at the worst possible time. And I, and I think that there is potential for, for another excellent season considering the wideouts as you know Dontavian Wicks, he's an all ACC talent. Keaton Thompson is arguably the most versatile player in the league. They're coming back. Lavelle Davis Jr. we all forget about because he he missed the entire season. One of his best games as a true freshman, guys, was down in Death Valley yeah. against Clemson. So he should be back full healthy from the ACL. The big question, Eric, and this is right in your wheelhouse, The whole offensive line is gone, and I mean decimated in large part by the transfer portal. They lost four dudes to the the portal, to Southern California, to Michigan, to UCF, to SMU. Those are incredibly big holes to fill, and Tony Elliott and his staff are going to have to rebuild
0: via that portal. Right. And that's what's, that's what's kind of crazy to me is because I understand you know maybe if, if you leave because you didn't like the offense or you, you didn't like this or that but all of that is going to change essentially. you know it, it's not going to yeah. be this crazy let's put six quarterbacks on the field and line them up and every like it's it's going to be a, a more spread pro offense and, and that just I don't know that that's enticing to an offensive lineman. so I was shocked once the news did break that Tony Elliott was the head coach. Now yeah, those guys stayed in the portal and then ultimately left. I thought that they would come yeah. back. Do you have any insight on on why those maybe one or two of those individuals decided to leave?
2: What I haven't been able to ascertain, Eric, is whether any or all would have hit the portal had Bronco Mendenhall not resigned. That that's what I don't and and what makes it even more curious is one of the three assistant coaches from Broncos staff whom Tony Elliott retained was Garrett Toujay, the O line
0: coach. Right, right. It's fascinating. It's mind blowing as to why they left.
1: Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I, I, I'm very curious about what this offense is going to look like because it, just knowing Tony Elliott, and you mentioned, David, that Mac and I are very familiar with him. I don't, I'm not going to say he's going to limit Brennan Armstrong. I don't, that's not the term I want to use, but I feel like this offense could be a little more controlled, if you will. Do you, do you see that? And a lot of that is, can they run the ball, which is the big question for them. And they needed Brennan to run the ball so much last year that led to injury. So how much change do you see coming with this offense?
2: Well, Kelly, it's a, it's a very good question, especially because they lose they're running backs as well. Wayne Talpapa. He's he's in. Them. So how does how does t- Tony Elliott and, and, and the new staff kind of uh, revamp there? But I agree with you. He, he's he's more of a, of a traditionalist on on the offensive side. We're not going to see throwbacks to an offensive tackle at crunch time against Virginia Tech. Is is my <laughs> guess. And and the fascinating thing kind of a, as an aside, is that Robert and I, the former offensive coordinator, and Jason Beck, the quarterback's coach, both as a package deal, go to Dino Bieber's <laughs> staff at Syracuse. And oh by, oh, by the way, guys, who is Virginia's rotating Atlantic Division opponent next season? Of course, the Cavaliers go to the Carrier Dome to play the R.
1: It's so well scripted. And of course, Syracuse (laughs) doesn't pass the ball. That's what's so odd. (laughs) They don't pass the ball. It's so, it's unless you're going to bring in someone else or Garrett Schrader is going to develop a whole new skill set. I've just got a lot of questions there. Uh, David, we unfortunately, Mac and I are very much offensively minded people. We have to talk about this defense. And I guess my main question is would you characterize this defense as awful or terrible from this past year? (laughs) And what was the main issue?
2: Yeah. Number one, pick your adjective, and number and number two, everything. In, in kind of preparing for today, I went back and, and reviewed the stats. Trust me, I didn't have these just at the top of my head. Virginia ranked 123rd out of 130 teams in the FBS in average opponents yards per rush. Mm. The only, the only power five team worse was Kansas. Mm. Mm. Virginia allowed eight rushes of more than 50 yards. Nobody in the power five allowed that much. I mean, they, big plays, especially on the ground, were just devastating. And to make matters worse, guys, last in the league in sacks. And Bronco Mendenhall is a defensive guy, right? And 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 that th- that was the irony, the cruel irony of the, the the coaching changes here in Virginia. You know, Bronco Mendenhall, defensive guy. Virginia couldn't play defense. Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech, offensive guy. What's the main knock on him that got him? By- Right. offense right. And, and, and quarterback play. I mean,
1: <laughs> you can't be terrible at the thing you're known for right. that. Yeah. We talked about this with Manny Navarro. When we talked about Miami, Manny Diaz defensive guy, defense. their defense couldn't really do much. So, and not that Bronco was on the hot seat necessarily because it oh, no. did take Virginia to an orange bowl just a couple of years ago, but yeah. that was going to be the main point of discussion throughout the offseason. And sometimes, you know, with, with, with a unit, that's that bad. Just getting fresh blood, a new voice, a, a different scheme. I think right. that's you're going to improve at least a little bit.
0: Uh, you, you have to because I I think when you look at okay, let's look at 2020, worst in the league, probably worst in the country, pass defense. Then we just totally yeah. flip the script and go yes. worse. It run. I mean, it was it was baffling, and, and you don't understand it. You think okay, oh, we're seeing improvement in the pass. They're doing way better pass defense. And then you look at those rush numbers, and it's like, okay, well, that's why, because no one has to throw on them. They can just throw run them. it at will. It, it's unbelievable to look at. Do you think, David, it's a what KG just said? Is it going to be a scheme change? Is it going to be this? Or oh. are they just going to have to overhaul and go get some dudes in the portal?
2: Well, both. I, I right. think it will be a, a schematic overhaul with John Rudzinski, the new defensive coordinator who comes in from the Air Force Academy which, by the way, in each of the last three seasons has been top 20 in the country in scoring defense. Uh, yeah. that's, that's a pretty good place to start. And, it, and it's interesting not only does Rudzinski come in from Air Force, but two of the assistant coaches on that side of the ball, the defensive side, also come from Army and Navy. So we have this Service Academy flavor co- coming in. And what do you think of when you think of the Service Academy's toughness, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and I think that's what y- you could argue that this defense lacked, inability to stop the runner. What's that all about? Toughness. Yep. And what compounds the challenge for Tony Elliott and his staff is that two of Virginia's better defenders at the linebacker spot, portal, yep. No, nope. North Carolina of all places. And then West Weeks goes with Brian Kelly to LSU.
1: The, the portal is really affecting UVA. We know that for sure. Um, okay, I want to ask you about this, David, because you are a guy who, you know, the state of Virginia and athletics in that state, like the back of your hand. And I am someone who, I, I'm aware that Virginia Tech has dominated that rivalry, especially <laughs> lately. The last couple of years though, I've picked Virginia. And the, the Bryce Perkins year, I looked smart. The other years, I've looked very stupid. Is there is there a mental block with UVA and Virginia Tech? Because even when it seems they have the better team, except for the Bryce Perkins year, as of late, they can't seem to get the job done.
2: Well, even in, in Bryce Perkins' first year as a starter, Kelly, in, in 2018, the game in Blacksburg, Virginia, should have should have yes,
1: won. Yes, yes, exactly.
2: And and, and and goes to goes to overtime. And he's going to get him in the end zone there at the end in overtime. They're going to win. And then he gets blindsided on a sack, fumble, ball game. And they're all looking around going, what happened? Mm-hmm. The one that, without question, most galls UVA fans this season. Oh, really? Oh, without question. The Cavaliers were seven. Seven point favorites over. I Virginia. picked
1: them. Right,
2: <laughs> join the club. Why? Yeah. Why? Virginia had had not been that that big a favorite over Virginia Tech in decades. Mm-hmm. for playing at home, that against an interim coach. I mean, it's a game you have to win. I mean, yeah, they were on a three game losing streak but they'd lost to BYU, Notre Dame, and Pitt. Right. Right. Those teams are all in the top 20. They all won 10-plus games. You can rationalize that. But here comes five and six Virginia Tech limping into your building on the last day of the regular season, and you've got to beat them, and you're in the process. You're probably going to, with that late drive, and then the throwback to, to, to Bobby Haskins, which none of us will ever, ever, ever <laughs> understand.
1: So is it, is there a mental block? Do you think? Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: I mean, for, for all that Bronco Mendenhall accomplished at UVA, he went one in five yeah. against the Hokies.
1: Hmm.
0: You, you talk about mental block when it's third down and you have four unbelievably gifted athletes, and you throw to a left tackle that was a backup at times. I mean, what are we doing? What are you thinking? I mean, it's unbelievable <laughs> mental block to say the least. Uh, in that perspective, it was nuts. That, that game, I mean, I, I was already losing my hair, but I, I lost a lot of it that day, and and it really just it it it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Man. Let's let's do a little preview as we're wrapping up here, David. Uh, looking at 22 and expectations for Tony Elliott, um, if we sat here a- in January 19th and we said, man, that was an A-plus year for Tony Elliott, what, what in your mind has to happen?
2: Well, he's going to have to restock the roster. They're going to have to be at least competent on the defensive side and not to to use Kelly's words, awful or terrible, which were, which were very fair words, by the way, and they're going to have to figure out a way to protect Brennan Armstrong. Now, how does that translate onto the field in terms of wins and losses, which is what everyone of course obsesses over, you know, Virginia could somehow get to, to seven Seven and five, I think they'd probably be dancing in circles in in Charlottesville. And and guys, the program overall is in such a curious place. They're trying to raise a ton of money to to, to build a a football complex there that that is so desperately needed. I was with Carl Williams when Jim Phillips did his tour of, of athletic facilities. And she made no bones about it as she walked him through. And, and remember, Carl Williams came from Georgia, and she also worked at Florida State. She, she knows what it's supposed to look like. And she's like, look at how substandard we are here. Look at how inadequate we are here. This isn't good enough. We've got to do this, this, and this. And I, I think the fact that they've been talking about this facility for so long Frustrated Bronco Mendenhall because there was no, no movement. And now Tony Elliott comes in. We'll see if, if, if fans can get engaged, but, but attendance has been lagging and, you know, the Virginia tech game wasn't even a sellout and it wasn't even remotely close to being sold out. And that's a bad look.
1: No doubt. And facilities so many things start with facilities, first and foremost. We're seeing that down in Miami as well. And we we did the Miami episode earlier this week. So it's been very interesting, the, the synergy there with new coaches. Um, okay, David, you cover the entire league. Mm-hmm. And I just want to get way, 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 way too early <laughs> predictions because we've, and we've been asking every rider that we've had on about this and the Miami pit discussion in the coastal has been really interesting The NC State Clemson-Wake discussion in the Atlantic has also been interesting. So, way too early. You have the right to change these, of course, before July. Where are you leaning in the coastal and in the Atlantic?
2: Not only do I have the right, I expect to change.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Between
2: now and and, and July. Gosh, guys, there'll be another portal wave after spring ball. Oh, yeah. And I I lean because... TBD was so good late for for Miami. I I I guess it's recency bias, and you know, no more Kenny Pickett up up at Pitt. Eileen Clemson and Miami Ooh. as as the preseason favorite, and and I'm I love me some Devin Leary. I think he is terrific, and and that is outstanding news for for Dave Doreen you know you guys obviously mentioned we talked about Brennan Armstrong coming back but the fact that Sam Hartman's coming back, Mary's coming back is so good for not only those programs, but the league overall.
0: I don't think there's any question. Listen, we were the we were the quarterback league this year, probably were last year, and no question, twenty two is going to be more of the same. And some young guys that might raise some eyebrows as well. So, David, this was so much fun. We've got to do this again. Uh, you, you were excellent as always. Really appreciate your time coming on here.
2: My pleasure. You guys were a lot of fun to.
0: Guys, what a fun interview. David Teal, he just brings it, and he's real. He lays it out there. Listen, when you've done it as long as David has, you're not trying to worry about feelings. You're not trying to worry about hurting anybody's feelings. You just tell it as it is, and uh, no, all jokes aside, he does a great job. He really does. It's been fun to follow his work throughout the years and, and to now you know, kind of be a colleague and, and to see him at different events and always get to work together. It truly was a lot of fun, but I, I just wanted to update you guys Um, I still have yet to be notified about the golf shoe. So we've gotten through an intro and a guest, uh, kind of interview here. So we'll see. Time is ticking. We've got about 30 seconds until Nike needs to send me a notification right here.
1: Basically, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers, T's and P's to Eric McLean (laughs) during this tough time that he's dealing with, but David Teal was awesome. And talking about Virginia, and how much they lost to the portal. That's going to be a very interesting challenge for Tony Elliott. And his breakdown of, of the transition from Bronco to Tony Elliott, I thought was really, really good. And, of course, they bring back Brennan Armstrong. You have that centerpiece. What do you look like around him? It's going to be fascinating to see what we learn after spring ball and just who they can bring in from the portal. I think that's going to be a big question.
0: It really is. And and I think, ultimately, the offensive line protecting Brennan you know, do they go get guys? Do they feel comfortable about where they are? It's gonna be really interesting to see the approach from Coach Elliott and, and this staff um ultimately at the end of the day. The the one other thing that I'm really interested to see is just what does this offense look like? You know, what what does UVA is it going to be a Clemson 2.0 approach where where Coach Elliott is a inside zone guy, he's gonna use outside passing lanes and get it out to playmakers quick and let them do, you know, kind of their job. Is it that same approach or you know, is there a little bit of that flavor where okay, Coach Elliott and the offensive coordinator and staff sit down with Brennan and some of these other leaders on offense like Wicks and uh, Kemp and Thompson and sit down with those guys and say okay, we want to implement some things of what you did and and kind of add it to us. It, it's going to be fascinating to see, uh, but it, really exciting times for Virginia. You've got to be excited about the direction of your program and where you're going, guys. That's it from us. Thank you for listening. Another episode of Gramlick and lane brought to you by our great friends over at Duke's Mayo. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, or write us a review. It's always fun to hear from you guys. But until next time, we'll see y'all.